If you're happy with the same old ways of dating, if you enjoy sucking at communication, and you have no desire to improve your romantic life, then our podcast might not be for you. But you want some out-of-the-box ideas to deepen your current relationships, broaden your sexual horizons, develop a better understanding of yourself, or learn more about non-monogamy, then you've come to the right place. I'm Jace. I'm Emily. And I'm Dedeker. And this is the Multi-Amory Podcast. On this episode of the Multi-Amory Podcast, we have a very special guest, author Dedeker Winston, (laughs) (laughs) whose first book, The Smart Girl's Guide to Polyamory, Everything You Need to Know About Open Relationships, (laughs) Non-Monogamy, and Alternative Love, comes out today! Comes out today. Go buy it on Amazon. You can find it in Barnes & Noble. Uh, where else can they find it? Um, I think you can order from Target too. Okay, what? Sweet. Yeah. Go ask your local mom and pop bookshop and support local and businesses. They'll pre-order it. Yes, yes. support yes. it. Yeah. Yes. yes, awesome. This is the book right here. Uh, Emily here and I. Too. Emily and I are some of the very lucky people who were shipped our pre-order copies early by Amazon. Thank you, uh, Amazon. I know there's some other of you out there. Uh, yeah. So for those of you who this might be your first episode of ours that you're listening to. Dedeker is one of the hosts of this show. Normally I'm not on this side of, of being interviewed. <laughs> yes, but mm-hmm. this is a very special interview for her about her book that's yes. just come out and that Emily and I have both just finished reading yesterday. The, right? Well, This morning? Uh, Did you finish this yeah. morning? <laughs> but um, it, it, the nice thing about this interview is that Dedeker, we, we have compiled a list of questions that Dedeker knows nothing about. <laughs> oh, Usually yes. she is privy to the questions that we are going to ask an interviewee, but right. um, at this point, that is not going to happen. That's why I'm drinking a martini, no, for exactly. those of you who aren't watching the video, because I'm actually I'm really and nervous. I one martini in as well, however. <laughs> yes. I'm really nervous yeah. about the questions you guys are going to ask me, and I, I'm not entirely sure why. I think it's because... You shouldn't be. No. We love, love, love your book. Right. So, well, I'm ready. So, yeah. So, to, to start out, um, could you introduce yourself? Yes. Uh, rather than me trying to, you know, come up with your list of achievements, mm-hmm. could you give us a quick introduction about who you are um, and, and why they should check out your book? Goodness. Um, my name is Dedeker Winston. For those of you who haven't listened to this podcast before, um, I work as a relationship coach who specializes in doing one-on-one coaching, counseling sessions for people who are transitioning into non-monogamy or who are, you know, needing a little bit of guidance with non-monogamy. Um, and I wrote a book. Sorry, I'm going to be a bad guest. <laughs> no, you'll be a great guest. You guys guest. are going to regret the day that you asked Edgar <laughs> Wilson to come on your podcast. Never. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah. So this is my first book, The Smart Girl's Guide to Polyamory. And what a thrill ride it has been. It's been mm-hmm. about two years from inception to fruition. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. And yeah, it's been, it has been like, I don't know, like raising a child, maybe, or like having a baby. Like, I don't know. I've never done anything like this in my life before. Um, mm-hmm. Well, it's, and it's clear from reading it that a lot of research went into it as well, that it's yes. not just kind of a person's ramblings or their thoughts oh, God, about no. this. No. It's a very well researched and well put together book. Um, did you want to jump to yes. a question? Yes. So I, I have a quote to read after this question. Um, which I which I loved, but I, I wanted to ask you why write a book on polyamory and why specifically for women? Because clearly you felt the need to do that with the lovely title, yes. and I yeah, we just wanted to know exactly mm-hmm. why that was. Okay, well, with the women thing specifically, um, 
initially when I started writing kind of the rough outline of this book, it was just going to be a book on polyamory. Mm-hmm. And I knew mm-hmm. that, that, you know, obviously there have already been books written on polyamory and I'm going to have to find some kind of unique voice or unique angle to bring to this, but I wasn't sure what yet. Um, and then... I forget why this happened, but one day, like, I was in the bookstore, and I picked up an issue of Cosmo, um, Uh and I started flipping through it, and was just, like, physically nauseated Mm -hmm. by the dating advice that was in Cosmo, and, you know, I started looking at a couple other women's magazines, and was just, like, seriously, just, like, so put off by the advice that was being given to young women about Mm -hmm. their relationships, you know, um really disempowering, you know, things about, like, how long you should ignore his text message before getting back to him. If yeah, you, right. You know, the, like, right manipulative things you have to say and do mm-hmm. in order to get him to settle down. You know, like, just this this stuff that's, like, kind of putting women in these positions of not actually having a lot of power or mm-hmm. a lot of agency. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was kind of combined with that that I knew that I wanted to write a book about polyamory, but also something that um, treated women as their own free agents yeah. rather mm-hmm. than just kind of operating in this really powerless world. Um, and so, yeah, you know, so that's one part of it. The other part of it is that, um, you know, both systems of empowerment and of disempowerment, specifically for women, are perpetuated through women as mm. well, you know, mm. Um uh, to give a controversial example, um, you know, a woman who wears a burqa, like there wasn't a man who put a gun to her head and told her she had to wear a burqa. Like she's wearing a burqa because her mother told her, like, this is what you do. Mm-hmm. And her aunts told her this is what you do. Um, and we see that with slut shaming as well. Yeah. That, like it's not just men who slut shape women, it's women who slut shape other women of as course. well. Um, and so I thought about that from the same way of like, well, if I want to promote a good idea, like agency, like independence, like relationship choice, mm-hmm. um, I think that it does lie with women as well. Yeah. If women make this more normal and more acceptable, um, then I think the rest of the world can follow. Yeah. So. Nice. I, I wanted to read a quick co- quote from mm-hmm. um, your book uh, that is specifically on polyamory and potentially like a an answer to this question. But you said people in alter- alternative relationships don't yet have the benefit of a culture chock full of role models, media, books, and movies demonstrating how healthy non-monogamous relationships should go. There are a lot of people with a lot of questions and not enough established answers. Mm-hmm. And I liked the fact that this is a book kind of at least, you know, beginning to give those answers mm-hmm. in a very eloquent and very well, you know, produced and thought out way. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, something that we've talked about on this podcast before is the fact that, you know, having a support network around you when there are issues in your relationship, in your mm-hmm. non-monogamous relationship, is a very precious thing because you can't, you don't necessarily have the same outlets that, like, monogamous folk have. Yeah. You know, you can't, you know, just talk to your coworker over lunch about it or maybe you can't go to your sibling or your parent necessarily um Mm -hmm. that yeah being able to provide more role models more professionals more answers in general i think makes this a lot more accessible to more people Mm -hmm. for sure uh if i can change topics a little bit uh something that so the book as a whole is kind of an overview of polyamory and open relationships and kind of that whole spectrum of everything that goes into it, um, much like the book The Ethical Slut, or possibly more than two, that they're kind of in that guidebook sort of format of like, here's some things to think about, here's all the stuff you need to know. What I like about this is that it is a much more modern take on those while still being 
accessible while still being sort of fun, light, humorous, easy to read, that it's mm-hmm. not like this technical manual of all this stuff you need to know. It's like more... Like Sex at Dawn kind of is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, right. That it's not... Which we love, by the way. <laughs> right. That it's not this kind of dry presentation of research mm-hmm. or, or even more than two, which is super thorough, yeah. but gets really... It, it can get really hard to get through it all because mm-hmm. there's so much that this yeah. kind of strikes that balance between being, you know, covering a lot of stuff, but still being approachable, which mm-hmm. I think is it's a great book for people who are new to polyamory. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, yes. But, but one thing I want to talk about that I especially like about this book is that it includes a chapter on the unwritten history of polyamory, <laughs> which is something that, uh, you know, I, I was with you when you were working mm-hmm. on that chapter. And it's something that, at the time, it was fascinating to hear about, and then also reading it. And I've read a few different versions of it Uh as it's been written. But I keep coming back to how much I love this chapter, because it's something that it's, you know, it's presenting actual historical information and research uh, in a way, you know, kind of... It almost it almost felt out of place for me at first with the rest of the book, Mm -hmm. which is kind of more about how to do relationships. Mm -hmm. And this is this sort of like why do I need to go through this whole history? But I really loved how, um, just kind of how fun it was to read and to go, oh my gosh, I had no idea that these people were polyamorous Mm. or that this community was that or that my silverware is polyamorous, (laughs) right? Like, that I I didn't know those things. And my question for you was, in writing that, like, was there a place in researching this unwritten history of polyamory that for you was the most kind of surprising the most like holy crap moment in in your writing that section and i guess well and i also have a follow-up like what was your research process for this book Mm -hmm. um well first of all uh to address your comment earlier i thought for sure this was going to be the first chapter to get cut because it is kind of like you know this is generally like a guidebook and like there's suddenly this big old like history nerd chapter um so i'm really glad that it didn't because it was one of my favorite ones to write actually Mm -hmm. um so as far as the most interesting, my God, I mean, I still feel like there are so many gaps in it that I didn't hit as far as history. Um, mm-hmm. I particularly loved learning about, um, there were a couple ones that I really liked researching, uh, which was the uh, Native American practices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I found I wish that I, fascinating. I wish I could have yeah. written more about that um, yeah. because a lot of the Native American tribes practice some form of non-monogamy. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And actually, it goes in line with a lot of the observations they made in Sex at Dawn, that historically, researchers will observe, like, primitive tribes Mm -hmm. and see something strange in their relationships, but still find some way to make it look like monogamous marriage. Fascinating. Um, Right. And I think that with Native American history, that's happened many times, um, Mm -hmm. without researchers actually seeing, oh, no, what's actually going on here is someone sharing a husband, or no, what's actually going on here is two bros swapping wives. Um, Right. You know, and so that was really, really interesting to me. And I was, Mm -hmm. I was sad that I couldn't, I couldn't include more on that. Um, and then um, the other one was uh, the uh, the Bloomsbury group. Right, was yeah. The, the was group of favorites. intellectuals and writers in England in the mid eighteen hundreds who were all um, who were all kind of like cohabiting and yeah. in this mm-hmm. little like polycule together. And I, I don't know. Right. I think that things like that are so surpri- like surprising and exciting to me because it's um, people who are very smart and very influential. Mm-hmm. Um, 
doing something like they were in their creative lives doing something out you know um against the grain and outside the lines and also in their personal lives um that that's really interesting to me and the research process was just like pouring through so many academic archives Mm -hmm. for hours and hours and hours and hours and like at the end of at the end of a day of researching and writing i would come to jace and i'd be like jace like my brain can't contain all this information <laughs> can i like talk to you about everything i learned today oh, wow. uh-huh. how cool and that would include things that didn't end up in the book but i was just like i just got to tell somebody about this wow. crazy thing that happens in sub-saharan africa like isn't this crazy oh my um, god that's right. so cool yeah that i have to like dump all this information onto jace <laughs> like i think that you know if i could have written an entire book on i'm this, sure just the history yeah. just that'll history. be another book Possibly, at, at yeah. some point yeah how cool mm-hmm uh yeah, um, so let's see. I wanted to ask about the homework for each section because mm-hmm. the book is broken up into obviously many chapters, many parts, and you have this really awesome homework at the I'm end of each you section. Think, you think it is? Well, I no, it's great because it. no, it's amazing. I mean, it's not just like journal about something for 20 minutes or whatever, mm-hmm. it's really like speaking about and, and like thinking very um specifically about things in your life or moments or like mm-hmm. you know past relationships that that have happened and in mm-hmm. talking about things with people with your current partners or your parents or siblings mm-hmm. and i just wanted to ask like how did you come up with all of the homework um you know some of it was were exercises that I developed with mm-hmm. my clients. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. Actually, most of them okay. were things that I developed with my clients to like really uncover, you know, what are these underlying beliefs or underlying assumptions about mm-hmm. various things. Yeah. Um, there was this... Uh, so, Franklin Vo, I, I talked to Franklin Vo on Twitter a couple of times during the book writing process, mm-hmm. you know, usually in freak-out moments of like, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing, or like, what did you do about this? Or like, yeah. how do I handle this? You know, and he was <laughs> right. he was a total trooper, oh, you know, lovely. was like very encouraging and would answer all my questions. Um, and at one point, he said this great phrase. He said that... Um, we don't we don't read books as they are. We mm. read books as we are. Um, oh, wow. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Which totally makes sense that, you know, yeah. if you read a book at different stages in your life, you get very different things out of, of it. Course, um, and you of can course. interpret it in very different ways. And so I think that I really wanted to build in some way of getting people to, like, kind of check in with themselves yeah. and get a sense of, like, what is it that I'm getting out of this? Like, wh- you know, what is it that's coming up for me? Um mm-hmm. Because I think that is very true, especially in a book like this that's, that can be challenging to what your beliefs already are, or what your practices already are, um, mm-hmm. to have the opportunity to check in and just see, like, okay, what is this state of yeah. me? You know, what is going on here? And I would hope that, you know, if you did read the book five years later, that your responses you in the homework would be very that. different. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. For a long time now, we've been fans of AdamandEve.com for getting sex toys or lingerie or accessories, things like that. It's just a fantastic resource with a huge selection. And now, not only do we have a fantastic offer, but we also 
have a promo code that will work on adammail.com and evestoys.com, which are their sites specifically for LGBTQ audiences. And our code is fantastic. It's 50% off of almost any item in the store and free discreet shipping when you use our code MULTI. Yes, we love adamandeve.com and have for years. They are our oldest and longest sponsor, and they just keep on giving great gifts to us and to our listeners. You can bring more pleasure and satisfaction into your bedroom by going to adamandeve.com, adammail.com, or evestoys.com and select any one item. It can be, you know, an adventurous new toy or anything you desire, something fun, something sexy, whatever sounds good. So just enter offer code MULTI at checkout and you'll get 50% off almost any item plus free shipping. That's MULTI, M-U-L-T-I at adamandeve.com, adammail.com or evestoys.com. This is an exclusive offer that is specific to this podcast and it's better than any offer that is currently available on their site. So again, use code MULTI to get you not just the 50% discount, but also the 100% free shipping code M-U-L-T-I. Yes. So Jay, say a question. Um, yeah. So one of the parts that I, something that I underlined in my copy, which is now has all sorts of marks and things all over <laughs> yeah. it, is um, in the section where you're talking about some of the things that people will do to try to prevent themselves from getting hurt or to preempt problems or to try to solve jealousy that don't actually work, mm-hmm. that actually can do a lot more harm mm-hmm. than good. Uh, I thought that was a really interesting section to include, um, kind of as a, a comprehensive thing. Mm. Um, and one of those that we've we've talked about in the past on this show as well is the concept of veto, mm. of being able to have veto privilege to say, you know, your partner's dating someone and you can just say, I don't like that person, you have to break up with them because I'm your primary partner. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you you have to do that and you have to do it no matter what because that's the rule we set. That's what we agreed on. And it's something that's, um, you know, people argue about this a lot. I think that we tend to come down pretty hard on the side that 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 doing that ultimately will actually hurt not only that relationship which has been vetoed obviously, but will actually hurt your own relationship much more than anything it saves it from. Mm-hmm. Uh and what I really liked in the book was this analogy that you made about imagining if you had a veto rule with your mother. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought this was No, hang on. Did you like it? Because when I first pitched it to you, you didn't like it so much. Oh, I don't know. Fascinating. fascinating. I don't think that I quite understood where you were going with it at first. I see. I see. Um, because what it is, is it's about... I liked it. Okay, good. Saying, you know, you have this connection with your mother, and so you make this agreement that she can veto anyone that you date if that person mm-hmm. seems to, to her to be coming between your relationship with her. Mm-hmm. Now, if anyone has had a mom and dated or been a mom with a child who's dating, I feel like it always feels like anyone they date is taking them away from you. <laughs> um, so yeah. it's a very easy thing to imagine that mom going, ah, yeah, nope, you're attached to this person. That's mm-hmm. threatening to me. I'm going to veto it. Mm-hmm. And then if you imagine your mother doing that and you actually enforcing it, how's that going to affect that relationship between mm-hmm. you and your mother? Mm-hmm. If she's the one who took away something that you cared about purely because she wasn't totally comfortable with the relationship mm-hmm. that wasn't even hers. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a really interesting... I liked the way that that came together in the final book. Yeah, I mean, obviously the relationship with your parents is a very different mm-hmm. relationship than any relationship you would have with, with a romantic partner. However, you know, that example came up because I was thinking about, like, 
you know, for some reason, a lot of people feel like veto power just is this very natural thing. Like, well, naturally, I'm going to give all this decisive power to my romantic partner. Um, But that's not a power that we give, like, to our friends. You know, Mm -hmm. we don't let our friends veto whatever new friends we might have. Um, With our parents, it's interesting because that is one of the situations where I think we see throughout history these examples of stories, both fictional and non-fictional, of Mm -hmm. parents vetoing romantic relationships. Right. And that never ends well. You know, even just the classic (laughs) fairy tale of the king who tells his daughter, no, you can't marry this peasant. Um, Mm -hmm. Romeo and Juliet of, no, you can't you can't marry a Montague or whatever like that doesn't end well and so of course we see those examples and we're like yeah sure true (laughs) love prevails Um, but for some reason we look at veto giving veto to a romantic partner and some people kind of think like oh no that makes sense like that makes us feel good that makes us feel safe Mm -hmm. Um, so that's where that example came from I I do get you know the parent relationship is very different but I think Mm -hmm. that that's something that speaks to people about and they can see more clearly about how they would feel Mm -hmm. if a parent stepped in to dictate what their relationships would be like. Yeah. I thought also something that I liked about the analogy that you actually didn't get to in the book, and maybe you could add this in the second edition or something, I I don't know, (laughs) is just the idea, though, that in that analogy of giving them veto power to just unilaterally decide that your relationship needs to end is not a healthy thing, and we see how bad this ends in those Mm -hmm. stories. But at the same time, if you're dating someone that your parent is like, hey, like I'm really not happy with how this person treats you, or something like that, it's not going to be an instant like, oh, well, you said that I have to do it. Yeah. But it, but you do take that into account, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, or you don't, but you're consciously being like, okay, I understand that I'm going to do that. And I yeah. think sometimes when people want that in their relationship, there's kind of this assumption that your partner is just going to entirely ignore you as mm-hmm. if as if you haven't known them as long as you have. And if they don't value your opinion, if you're like, hey, like, I'm actually really concerned about this person that you're seeing, because mm-hmm. that's always the counterexample. Yeah. It's like, what about when there's abuse? Uh-huh. What about when there's sure. some really bad situation? It's like, well, are you assuming that your partner just doesn't, like doesn't get it? Doesn't yeah. take you seriously at all no, or yeah. like doesn't listen to you? Because yeah. then maybe you have a bigger problem yeah. on your hands. Yeah, that's and true. And I think the analogy of a parent also kind of works with that as that's well. That's true. That's true. Anyway, did you have? Yes. Yes. Um, so, okay. Jace and I are in this book somewhat. Um, and is this the crying section? No, no, is... that'll be later. Okay, um, cool. No, but like we obviously lived through many of the things that you spoke about in this book. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, it was intense to read. I can't even mm-hmm. imagine how intense, intense it was to write. To write. Yeah. But what gave you the strength to kind of go back and trudge through all of that again and then, you know, write it down for the whole world to see? Um, putting it off to the last minute. Okay. That makes sense. <laughs> to be totally honest. Oh, uh, yeah, some of the more intense sections literally were stuff that like I put off to the last minute. Because mm. um, I just... Because, yeah, because I didn't want to go back yeah. there. You know, I'd been spending all this time trying to heal from a lot of this and trying right. to not obsess over this. And so then to be like, well, I got to relive this and think about the details mm-hmm. and think about what needs to be included and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. Like, no, I really didn't want to go there. And so a lot of those sections were, you know, last minute. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I but, mean, it was a particularly vulnerable time in, like, all of yes, our lives. Yes, yeah, definitely. Yeah. But, you know, uh, the very specific thing, because honestly, there were some things and some particular stories mm-hmm. that it got to the point of me being like, maybe I just shouldn't include these. Maybe I don't need to write about this. Mm-hmm. Maybe I don't need to write about this at all, you know? Wow. Um and maybe I should just leave it. Maybe this is too much about me, you know. It was right. me really trying to not go to these spaces. And um, 
there's this this writer Anne Lamott and she wrote this book called Bird by Bird and it's mm-hmm. a book on the writing process. Yeah. Um, she teaches writing and has written many books and so it's all just kind of about the philosophy surrounding the writing process right. and so I was reading that concurrently while while writing and it was, you know, so helpful to me. But there was one line in the book that really got me and she um gosh, what's the specific quote? It's something along the lines of that, you know, if you've uh gone through some kind of hardship if you've escaped from out underneath somebody else's thumb Mm -hmm. you know uh write down the truth of that and take the risk of setting somebody else free um yeah no and when i read that i was just like oh you know god damn it Anne lamott you called me out Um, and and no when i read that that was the moment when i was Mm -hmm. like no like i need to share this you know i need to think about you know what if there is someone else who is in a situation very similar to what i went through um that needs to read this right now that needs to know how this went down you know and so i mean it sounds super noble um so but but that was the motivating thing was like taking the risk to set somebody else free you know Mm -hmm. even though it's very vulnerable and very uncomfortable um but maybe it'll manifest in some good for somebody else yeah yeah, I I was going to say that in in reading the book, I mean, I've said before that I think that Franklin Vaux's The Game Changer mm-hmm. is one of the most important books mm. that poly people could read, yeah. and it's not an instructional manual. Yeah, it totally. is just a personal story. It's just his memoir of his time of being polyamory and changing his opinions about hierarchy and all of those things and veto rules and all of that. And I found that in this book, too, that chapters like seven through 10 or whatever, where Mm. you kind of have more of those personal stories as much as for me, they were painful to read some of them, but I found myself being like this personal story is even that much is so much more compelling to me to explain the things that you spent the previous five Mm. chapters explaining that to me, it was like just hearing a personal story of how things can really go down and how, you can get to a place with the best of intentions mm-hmm. and end up causing a lot of hurt and not mm-hmm. saving that relationship. And to me, that was huge. And I hope that mm-hmm. people find that same thing with that section. Cause yeah. I did find that to be like, wow, like this is a story that not a lot of people share. Yeah. They preach about like, you should do it this way or you should do it this other way, but actually just sharing a very personal, very true story of how that happened for you, I think is actually a very powerful thing. Yeah. I mean, we're all learning and, and it's very clear. I mean, we get on this podcast and we do this every week and talk about the great things that we've learned and Mm -hmm. stuff, but it, Mm -hmm. but it was, it was lovely to like have that in there and really talk about, Hey, I've gone through so much in order to get to this point. Um, and obviously we know firsthand what that was. Mm -hmm. Um, and I did want to ask, uh, how has writing this book changed mm-hmm. your polyamorous life? <laughs> I know that's a loaded and big question. Yeah. Uh, well, I've yet to test this, but I imagine that it's going to make going on first dates much more interesting. <laughs> Guess what? I wrote a book. Just be like, Here I it wrote is. a book. If you want to be in a relationship with me, maybe you should read. My book. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's just kind of like instead of us having ten conversations over the next couple <laughs> days, maybe just read the book, book and then on the second date, <laughs> yeah. we can talk about it. Yeah. yeah. Um, That's great. I haven't I haven't tested that out yet. As far as how it's affected me now, good golly. Um, 
Miss Molly. Yeah. I, I think I think it really has made my communication better. And I think it mm. really did make me confront a lot of things inside myself. Because mm. I mean, like, I'd be writing about stuff during the day. And then if I got into an argument at night with one of my partners, right. it's like, ugh, like, I was just writing about how to not do this yeah, yeah, yeah. earlier right. in the day. Um, and so I think that's definitely a big factor of like, well, it's kind of like I've compiled all the knowledge that I had at least at that particular yeah, moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's something very affirming about that of like, okay, like I know this to be true for me. Mm-hmm. And so this is something that I can continue to live by and that right. I should continue to live by. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really difficult. I found with writing a book because it is just like a snapshot, you know, even in the number of months since submitting the manuscript, I've learned so many things where I'm wow. like, oh, like I wish I could have put this in the book. I'm like, oh, right. this would be another good thing to put in the book. Number um, two, mm-hmm. yeah. Which is which is actually what's why it's so great to have this podcast yeah, because yeah. it is a medium where we can take new things or if I find a new idea or a new thought that we can discuss it and put it out there um, yeah. instead of me just continually revising this book for years to come, <laughs> which will probably happen anyway. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I did, yeah, I did want to talk quickly about um, each of our personal experiences with reading this book. Um, do you want to go first or do you want sure, me to? Sure, yeah. No, okay, I'll, I'll just go first. Go first. Um, yeah. yeah, like I said, there were some pretty emotional parts for me personally being mentioned in the book uh, and, and thinking back to those stories in those days. But also, I do think it just kind of hit it hit on a lot of these fairly universal experiences of of thinking that you've got something figured out and realizing that you don't. Mm. Uh, I know that for me, you know, going from being engaged and thinking that I had it Jesus. figured out Jesus. and that, yeah. right. It's still weird and then, that happened once upon a time with you. Right. This was yeah. like, you know, 10, ten years, years ago, ago now, yeah. but my devastation after that was partly the sadness of losing that relationship, but also partly this shame at having been so wrong yeah. that I felt embarrassed about yeah. it. Uh, and I think that, that sort of personalness of this book of of that it's come through learning from mistakes rather than just kind of making some decisions and saying like oh, I got it figured out or this has always been easy for me or I've never been a jealous person or those things but saying no I've I've worked through these things and I'm still working on them here's what I've learned so far mm-hmm. for me was a really useful like I, I think that was a really powerful sort of book to write mm-hmm. and it's also a book that I personally am really pleased to have it in existence to be able to recommend it to other people because i think it's been a long time since a real comprehensive guidebook of polyamory has been put out that is really accessible that is really approachable um, but i think is also very modern it's about what polyamory is now not what polyamory was 20 years ago Mm. or even 10 years ago but it is very current into what's going on in the culture, um, especially toward the end of the book, when you talk about like what's next for polyamory, yeah, what's the so future, great. and that, talking about underrepresented groups, I think is something mm-hmm. that so many books out there don't include. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I was so proud that you put that in there. Um, yeah, that was so difficult because of the fact that it's like it's impossible to cover Everything. all that's missed yeah. Yeah. in the mm-hmm. polyamorous community, you know, like and. Hopefully, you know, there are other authors who pick up that torch yeah. um, because, you know, we still need someone who talks about, a you know, a perspective of polyamory and disability mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. polyamory and race or, yeah. you know, polyamory and any number of 
you know, different communities or disadvantages or whatever, mm-hmm. um, that we still do need those voices. And obviously, as a white girl, yeah. there's only so much that I can do to speak from those voices. Right. But right. but I am hoping that, you know, that this helps to continue to create that space for authors who can speak, you know, from underrepresented groups to kind of mm-hmm. come to the forefront with that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I'm going to need to, like, <laughs> pull myself together right now. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Anyone who knows me well knows that I'm just a big fucking sob. Um, essentially, just like it, it. Reading your book made me want to have all the people in my life be able to like rewrite something because the, I'm this going to just, quote. Ter- I know. I'm sorry. This is terrible radio. I'm this so is, sorry. Everyone's crying. Yeah, it's uh, just like uh, to quote Little Women, which is one of my oh. fucking favorite books ever. Reading your book was like opening a window into your heart, truly, because you know, like, how do you know about the Little Women thing with me too? Oh, oh God, God, I love that book so much. Um, yeah, just it, the the fact that like I. I got to know you through your writing deeper and more vulnerably and more specifically than I think I ever have before. And that was fascinating and important to me specifically and really great. So <laughs> thank you for that. And I am, I am so proud to know you and to know you as intimately as I do because getting to be a part of this in the small way that I was is huge in my life and hugely important. So thank you for doing that. I do think it will change the face of Paul Amory and become like a new, you know, book and manual for people out there. And it's really uh, incredible. And so congratulations and well done. And yeah, sorry. Um, Never. We don't normally do this to our guests. No, I know. So you know, we just don't. like sobbing so outright. Sobbing. Yeah. Anyways. Okay. Well, now that we took a break to wipe off all the tears. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I did. We did want to leave you with the classic multi-amory question oh. of what is something that you can do right now to create a positive change in your relationship? Obviously, you wrote an entire book on the subject. However, one thing that you would like to tell people who are new to polyamory or who are newish to this, just one, one piece. Oh, gosh, it's so hard. Um, uh, I think that I would probably direct people to um discover the most effective system for emotional management that works Mm. for you Hmm. um you know for me in my polyamorous journey it's been meditation you know Mm. meditation has really Mm -hmm. helped me get through the difficult times um or really really enjoy the good times but that may not be the case for everybody it could be therapy it could be some kind of self-care it could be some kind of you know personal development Mm -hmm. workshop or whatever um but yeah i think it's that is finding it's kind of like setting up what your own little home base is going to be for yourself that you can retreat to when like things are bad in order to care for yourself Mm -hmm. i don't know if that's that's very clear Yeah, no. for me it's it's writing yeah oh yeah like journaling is good too given me more clarity than like anything else yeah Yeah, or even if even if your emotional management is like your favorite video game for 20 (laughs) minutes like like the one action that you know that you can fall back on that will help get you into like a more grounded space and just having that always i think that's good for any relationship really Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Nice. Well, thank you so much. Your book comes out today. Yay. It's called The Smart Girl's Guide to Polyamory. You can just 
Google it and find it. But if they don't want to Google it and they just want to go straight there, where can people go to find out where to get your book and, and uh, more about you? Uh, they can go to smartgirlsguidetopolyamory.com. Mm. That will redirect to the special book page on my website. They can mm-hmm. go to the Smart Girls Guide to Polyamory Facebook page. Um, or they can follow me on Twitter at Dedeker Winston, mm-hmm. or you can go to the Multinary website. There's probably all over the place. Right. Um, yeah. We also have know. links to all of that in our show notes <laughs> for this episode. Notes, yeah. yeah, for sure. So you guys can go check it out, get the book. Uh, it's awesome. And uh, it like really Emily is. said, I, I also hope that this does change the face of polyamory and mm-hmm. help to make it something that's approachable and normalizes it for a lot of people in the world. Uh, can I promo my giveaway really quick? Yeah, oh, it's, sure. it's ending today, but I think it's you know going to end today, like at midnight or something like so that. So you still have um, a chance. There's still a chance, yeah. So I'm doing a giveaway right now for a one signed copy of my book that mm-hmm. someone will get for free. Um, to enter that giveaway, you need to make a donation in any amount to a um, a nonprofit called She Should Run. If you go to sheshouldrun.org. And what She Should Run is, is it's a nonprofit that's dedicated to um, providing education and resources and encouragement to women and girls who want to run for office. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. their whole thing is about getting more women into politics. Um, that's great. Yeah. Because we're 51% of the population, but in the U.S. Congress, only like 20%. 20, yeah. mm-hmm. There's only two countries in the world that have 50% representation of women. Um, mm-hmm. So anyway, so for people who make a donation and just like send a screenshot of their confirmation to dedeker at multiamory.com will be entered into the drawing for a giveaway of the Smart Girls Guide to Polyamory. Yay. And also, we'll all be happier because... Hopefully there'll be more women in office in a couple of years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and also to tweet about it, right? You want them to spread the word. Oh, if and they share can. This. Yeah, that'd yeah. be nice. Yeah, but. yeah. yeah. great. Yeah. Spread awareness as well as mm-hmm. as well as donating to that organization. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank uh, you. We look forward to hearing from all of you who have read the book as well and getting feedback. You can send that either to Dedeker or you can send it to Multiamory at info at multiamory.com. And Dedeker will also see it that way. Mm-hmm. All right, thank you all so much. You can see more of our stuff at multiamory.com. You can follow us on Twitter at multiamory. Find us on Facebook, on Reddit. You know, we're, we're all over the place. In- Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Got some fun Instagram stuff going on lately. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, we'd love to hear from you. Get involved in the community, whether it's through Patreon or just through Twitter or Facebook or anything like that. We love interacting with you, and we hope to see you on tour. Yay. All right. Woo! Bye. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.